Hi, and welcome to Mindful, Beautiful, and Thriving, a podcast series by Tharaka Foundation focused on youth mental health. Before we begin today's episode, I just wanted to let you all know that all content that is found in our podcast is created for informational purposes only. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, treatment, or therapy. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition, and never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard in this podcast. Thank you so much, and without further ado, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of our series on biculturalism from Mindful, Beautiful, and Thriving. It is Poonam here with a very special couple, and today we are going to talk about how this couple is raising two beautiful daughters who are born and raised in the U.S., and they're trying their best to give them exposure to different cultures. Welcome, Rohit and Regina. I'm looking forward to talk to you both. Before I ask you a few questions, I would like to request you to introduce yourself. Regina, we would like to hear from you where you are born and raised, and what are you doing currently? Hi, first off, thank you, Poonam. Thank you for having us today. We're excited to share more about our story and our kids. So I was born actually in our nation's capital. I was born in Washington, D.C., but my experience is actually being raised back east in D.C. and Maryland area and in the Philippines, because my family, so that we would be exposed to our culture, purposely sent each of their children to the Philippines at various ages. So I lived there in third grade, seventh grade, and first year high school. Um, So that's how I have a deep tie to my culture, to my family back home, and can fluently speak Tagalog, which is what most uh, folks from the Philippines speak. And later when we share more about our story, I can share more around um, how that's impacted my my journey. And currently, uh, I work on strategy and operations uh, with our PM steering team um, at Google. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, um, Regina, for being with us. So Rohit, I would like to know more about you. All right. Um, Hi, everyone. My name is Rohit Sani, and my journey to the United States uh, came from the Middle East. So uh, I'm of Indian descent. Both of my parents are Indian. However, my dad migrated from India to Iran and did some work in the shipping industries in the 70s. And so myself, my brother, several of my cousins were actually born in a small town uh, in Iran. Unfortunately, that town was decimated by the Iran-Iraq war in the late 70s. And we moved to Kuwait, where my grandparents lived from my mother's side. Uh, After four years in Kuwait, we followed my dad's older brother to New York. And so at the age of eight, I moved to New York. I celebrated my ninth birthday there, which I have a memory of. Certainly I have memories of Kuwait and Iran as well. Um, And so I spent most of my time in New York and then in the East Coast in college, and then made my way out to California and Silicon Valley post-college. As I mentioned, I am of Indian descent. Uh, I do speak Hindi. That was actually my first language, even though at some point it was lost and then came back, and we can talk about that. 
and how that relates to culture and religion at some point. And to answer your other question as far as what I do, I work with yourself and others in product management at Cisco. I'm on the cloud security team and lead a PM team within the Cisco Umbrella Cloud Security product. Thank you, Rohit. I'm wondering, how was your experience coming from another country to the U.S.? Did you find any differences between various countries' cultures? Okay. Yeah, I definitely did. Uh, so, you know, my experience, I share this with our girls today and, and, other one, and anyone who wants to listen, I guess, uh, is that uh, when I first moved to the U.S., it was tough um, because I did have an accent. Uh, I actually did speak Farsi some Arabic and Hindi at some point, um, only Hindi was reinforced. Um, and so I retained that, uh, but I certainly had an accent when I first moved and entered fourth grade in New York. Um, kids who found out that I came from a different culture certainly made fun of me. And so that was interesting. One of my stories that I often share is that I'd never seen snow before. So the kids at that age, they would joke that snow actually comes up from the ground as opposed to down from the sky. And they were just playing with me. Um, but of course I knew better than that. Uh, but you know, things like that in terms of just uh, being included or not, I, I think that was definitely a challenge. Uh, language to some extent. I remember doing my first book reports and it was quite challenging to sit down and write an essay. In fact, my first essay, my mom had to stay up most of the night with me in fourth grade and help me with that. And I was thankful for that. But as many of us uh, who are immigrants do, we start learning and we start um, uh, focusing. And before you know it, we're in the advanced classes as opposed to some of those who are native speakers. And so I had that journey, especially with math and English and, and sciences. So um, it just took some time, but uh, it was a transition, learning sports and soaking all of those, those, those things into assimilate challenges at some point, but then you become more comfortable, you start becoming, uh, having some friendships and building some bonds. And uh, I think that really helps uh, over time. And then just finding your own community within where we were, which uh, for many of us who are Indian are usually other Indians, at least at that early age. Thank you for sharing your experience, Rohit. Regina, you mentioned you had exposure to Philippine culture also, and you did go there and stayed there and you're a fluent speaker also. Uh, so are you planning to uh, send your girls there to learn some of your roots and values and culture? Yeah, our, our girls have actually uh, gone to the Philippines a lot. Um, we, we take them often. But I'd love to also answer your question around the, this experience coming from another country to the U.S., even though I was born in the U.S., uh, because that experience of living, as you mentioned, there in the third grade and um, ha having been there seventh grade and uh, freshman year of high school was were really influential years. Um, and to the extent, you know, and in, in the, the spirit of, you know, when you remember what it was like growing up as a teenager and what were some of the difficult times, um, I remember actually similar to Rohit's story, when I moved, you know, even though I was born in the States, after living in the Philippines and speaking the language after some time, you begin to think in another language, right? So I had this experience of coming from the Philippines back to the US because my parents said, okay, now that it's time to apply for college, you have to come back to the US. And so I had to almost reteach myself um, how to think in English first, 
because I was starting to think in another language first to the extent that um, I even, this is probably my mom's favorite uh, angst teenage story of mine is at one point I called my aunt in the Philippines who I had been living with for two years, my dad's, um, my dad's sister. And I asked her, I think you should pick me up here in the States because I'd really rather come to live in the Philippines, continue living there. Um, and she came, um, but then my parents were like, no, she really has to continue on this path of like now going to school here in the States. And it was a really painful time for me because, you know, I had this identity of, but wait, didn't you want me to really immerse myself in my Philippine culture? Why do I now have to have to um, stay back in the States? So, you know, from an identity standpoint, like now when I see our girls and when I think back to that experience, I will always say that, you know, I'm 100% Filipino and I'm also 100% American because um, my ties to both are so, so deep personally. And then my hope is that the kids um, and what we try to teach is, you know, you're 100% of both, right? You're 100 are actually three in their case. You're 100% uh, Indian, you're 100% Filipino, and you're 100% your, you're the influence of your American identity. That's a very interesting, Regina. And did, did ask you any questions, you know, uh, why we need to be, you know, 100% this and that? Do they say, like, why can't we just, we be American because we are born and raised here? Did they ask you any questions like that? They've definitely raised to us, um, and it's funny, like they, it comes up as actually funny conversations because my our, our eldest shared with us recently that, you know, when she didn't have words for identity, that's and when she couldn't find herself in the checkbox, at one point she said, oh, I just thought I was Hawaiian when, we, when I was really young because we, <laughs> we go to Hawaii, right, when we hadn't exposed her to places or, mm-hmm. um, but then they know right? Like we both talk about our culture so often that they're like, they get very excited, right? They'll be like, oh, mama, this person is, um, identifies as Filipino or papa, this person says they're Indian. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it is like, because we bring it into the conversation so much, because we're both so proud of um, the, these parts of our identity, um, they bring it in, but there's definitely, that's why I bring the American in, it is, there is a full American experience lens that shows up in healthy debate. So how do you give them exposure to all these three different cultures you mentioned? And are they fond of the food different cultures have and festivals? So I'm very intrigued to know how do you give them that exposure? Third answer is yes. Uh, so I think travel is one of the best things, obviously in, in spite of the last 14, 15 months, um, they have only been to India once, admittedly, but they get a lot of exposure to Indian culture. So since the day they were born, Panam, I have been speaking to both girls in Hindi. Uh, so they understand it fluently. Getting them to speak is a little bit more challenging, but um, I still have faith that that will click at some point and come through. My own personal journey, just as a side note, is I did speak Hindi growing up. When I moved to the States, because I was looking to assimilate, it was not conscious, but maybe subconscious, I lost it. I didn't speak Hindi. I wasn't speaking it at home. I certainly didn't speak it with my American friends um, or any other friends that I met. And at some point around age, maybe uh, early 20s, I would say, something clicked and I wanted to speak again. 
um, there was that shyness factor that sometimes happens. So with my nani, my grandmother on my mother's side, uh, as well as my mom, I started doing it in broken Hindi. And then what really helped is that Regina and I moved to India in 2005 and six. We actually lived there in Hyderabad uh, because Regina had a work opportunity there. And so that was a great experience. But then I was able to speak Hindi each and every day and it made it that much better. And so I re realized then when, my girl, when our kids are born, we didn't know if we're gonna have girls, boys, or any kids at that, at that point, but that I will speak to them because I don't want them to regret not being taught it. Um, so to answer your question more directly, it's exposure, not even just we, uh, with, with travel, which they've done slightly, but certainly more on the Philippine side, but festivals, food, um, any other customs. So uh, Indian cooking, certainly a lot more Filipino cooking, uh, admittedly, because Regina's mother lives with us um, and has for over 10 years. We were actually fortunate enough to have four generations in our household as well. So it's important to note Regina and I are the oldest in our families. We are the eldest. And so we have siblings. Our household is the household where people come together for all significant occasions. And so that brings that mix of culture, food, um, you know, all the things that we love about uh, family. And so that's one aspect of it. And then otherwise, we just share stories around all that. So they get bits and pieces. I'm sure that it gets mixed up a little bit in between <laughs> as far as what is Indian and Filipino. There are a lot of commonalities between those Asian cultures, like food, um, like certain words, caring for elders and family or the respect for um, culture um, and, and treating people with respect. I think those are things that are just very similar in Asian culture. But uh, I'll let Regina add. Yeah, I mean, from a exposure standpoint, definitely the things you mentioned, Rohit, and uh, trying to see what else we missed, if anything. Um, oh, he did a really great job of speaking to them in Hindi. I had that intention with the firstborn, and then I fizzled away. <laughs> so good on him to continue forward, but I think where, you know, I didn't do the language they still get exposure because a lot of the nonprofit work I do is around ensuring that there are Filipinos that are entering the sciences and is around women in, or, and girls in leadership. They're exposed to these two things that are of high value to me and like part of my identity um, through my, my nonprofit work because I will always bring them. Um, and that's also because like when I was growing up, my mom worked um, at the embassy of Kuwait and I remember like her always bringing me to the office and that being a normal thing. And so it's a privilege for them to be exposed to the things that you care about as a person, right? Like that's all, as they're figuring out what they want to do in life, that it's like more things for them to think about. So we bring them in like, mm -hmm. okay, we're going to bring you to this event. Um, we're, you know, it's a lot of juggling, right. As two working parents. So, mm -hmm. um, we're, you're going to sit here and like, you want to test the stage before other people have to go live. You want to sit and listen into something you can, and it brings up great dinner conversation. I mean, we're, we may be immersed in tech from a job standpoint, but we're very like non-tech when it comes to, uh, family time. And so like, if you were to come to dinner at our place and if you had a device, on the table, our kids would tell you to put it away because like we're a no device um, at the table type of family. So I think, you know, that's just some insight into what it's mm -hmm. like on the day to day. I, I was just thinking uh, to add, if you don't mind, is that to bring religion into the mix here, you know, when there are significant events on the Indian side, they have been to Mondays. Uh, certainly we celebrate Diwali and they see all of those customs, but even more so uh, from a Filipino side, a lot of Filipinos, as you may know, are Roman Catholic. 
And so our girls are actually baptized. Um, one of them is communion, and the second one is on that path. But almost every Sunday, we all as a family go to church or listen to church. And we've been doing that for many years. Um, but that is consistent. And they and, still go to the temple. Right. And so we give them that exposure. And it's not to say that they should be one or the other, but We're to embrace. Um, and that goes back to, I mean, even my personal belief, I've learned a lot from Catholicism to the homilies. When we lived in India, we would go to masses even before the kids were born. And so that's important to Regina, her family. And so we just continue that to give them that broad exposure. Ultimately, it's up to them to continue that. But all we can really do is surface all these things, as well as other cultures. Um, you know, going back to even food, we do Ethiopian food. We do um, there's no Burmese food, all sorts of different things. Over the pandemic, our eldest daughter, who just turned 13, became pescatarian and, and is now, so that means fish and vegetables, but no meat. And she just decided sometime last summer, and she has not deviated from that, and it wasn't based on anything we said. She just made that choice. The second one, our youngest one, is trending that way as well. Mm -hmm. But these are choices they made based on things that are important to them. And so we respect that. Wow, what a wonderful family. I am so much, you know, um, feeling that warmth and values and, you know, openness and, you know, that communication channel, as Regina was mentioning on the dinner table. You have so much interesting topics to talk about and you are giving that freedom and space to your girls to choose who they want to be. But at the same time, you're exposing them to the values and you know your belief system. And I think they are going to be wonderful uh, citizens because they are getting best of everything, right? We'll talk about food and talk about language and different exposure to different countries' culture. So this is, I think you guys are great parents and the values you are instilling in your children they are also going to be great citizens. So what message would you like to give to our parents who are listening to this podcast? Sure. Um, so as parents, my advice, or at least things to, to consider would be for your kids, um, be it boys or girls, obviously, is just really be present and listen, I think is very important. It begins with that. Um, I think many kids, uh, as they go through these journeys, are discovering what they're really passionate about, what they like, that obviously changes over time. I mean, there's a lot to be said for in their early ages, even preteen, the things that they enjoy kind of surface. And, you know, as adults, we, we look back at that, like, do we like tinkering and experimenting? Do we like music? Um, do we like the sports? What is it that gives us joy? It's important to observe that and see if you can reinforce or support that. Um, but then also just be there to listen. I think especially in let's just say Silicon Valley and in our culture, um, or in our, in our uh, society, I should say today, uh, it's easy to be distracted. It's easy to be there, but not really there. And so if you're not already doing it, I think it's important to have time individually with your kids, collectively with your kids. Um, as we shared, for us, the most important thing is dinner. Um, you know, every single day we have that conversation around the dinner table and we come together and typically over the pandemic it was even more than that not just one meal but several meals um, and we begin with prayers and thanking not only healthcare workers and frontline workers but also god uh, for everything we have from the food on the table to our health 
uh, to the family members who are not there or in our thoughts. And I think that that helps. So, um, but it, find some system that works for you. Everyone is different and it may not work. Maybe it's once a week on a Sunday, whatever it may be, mm -hmm. but make that a ritual. I think there's a lot to be, a uh, lot to look forward to from, from something like that. And typically your kids will not only embrace that, but maybe also continue that. And that could be a nice tradition. So that would be the one thing I would ask parents to think about. That's fantastic. That attitude of gratitude, no matter which culture, religion, caste, country you belong to. It's a wonderful advice, Rohit. Regina, would you like to add anything to this? Sure. Um, I echo what Rohit has shared. Um, and I will say that to savor the journey, because parenting really is a privilege. And I often bring up things that I'm learning from the kids. Uh, Sometimes they even become rituals at work. Um, and, and I mean, to me, it, you know, beyond work and beyond school, I have learned so much from my kids, right? Um, and, you know, their perspective, this whole listening to them um, has really, like, I feel like it makes me a better person. And Rohit, from a patient's standpoint, like, he's like, there's no one more patient. So the kids, I always tell them you're so lucky. Um, so, so for me, it would, it's savor the journey uh, is one, one, be, because they're only this age for so long. I mean, we're now with a 13 year old. I'm often talking to him about, oh my God, it's only this much more time before she leaves us. And I can't even imagine that like she's away right now at camp and, and we're missing her so much. Um, and then, Two is to really establish the norms and values that you want to make. Well, I should say establish, yeah, that's what it is. Establish the norms and values that you want to make for your family because you really do have the power to do that. And then you'll begin to see that your kids will carry that forward, right? Like I'm really proud of how the two of them um, stand up for what they believe in. I will healthy debate with them because I think it's important, right? It's important to stand up for the stuff that they believe in and, you know, they school us at times too. Um, and, and that's good because it's, it shows the strength in, in their character and the strength in what they, they believe. And we're ed both educating each other through the process. So, so that's what I would add to it. Awesome advice. I do believe, yep, we parents are the role, role model, right? Walk the talk and kids are learning from us. And at the same time, we are learning from kids. I definitely learn from my two kids a lot. Um, and I, as you were saying, I could you know relate with it. They made me a better person. So I'm grateful to be a parent and uh, you're absolutely right. Kids grow up so fast, so we need to savor our journey. Thank you so much for taking time out to be here with me and um, giving us a lot of insights and fun stories about you and your family. And um, I'm sure this is very beneficial to our parents who are also raising um, their kids here in the United States where they are from different culture. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. My pleasure. You are listening to Mindful, Beautiful, and Thriving, a podcast series by Tharaka Foundation. As part of our youth series, 
we will be releasing new episodes every Friday, so make sure to continue to check those out. We hope you enjoyed this podcast, and thank you so much for listening.